I told Chad he picked the perfect moment when that kid was just running right in front of, did you see that? I realized later that was one of Chad's kids, so there you go. Um, we're going to continue from the theme from last week, so if you've got your, uh, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke chapter 18, and the message that that clip was from last week, where we talked about the Pharisees and their exalting themselves and their self-righteousness, uh, we're going to look at the other side of that parable today. Today we're going to talk not just about Pharisees and tax collectors, but I figured we're doing two, might as well throw in three. I've added prostitutes to it as well today. So we're going to see what Jesus has to say about tax collectors, about sinners, and we're going to start there in Luke chapter 18. And let's read verses 9 through 14. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, Jesus says, that this man rather than the other went home justified before God, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. May God bless the reading of his word today. So as we look at this uh, parable again today, this parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, these, we, we notice again, and this is in your notes if you're starting in the following the blanks, I want us to notice again the contrast between the two characters. This is a tool that Jesus uses in some of his parables. I really love studying and teaching from the parables of Jesus. Jesus was a really good storyteller. And in this case, he uses uh, the, the tool of contrast, of opposites, of either sides of the spectrum to basically make his point here. Look at Luke chapter 18, verse 10 again. Jesus says, two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. We said last week that that's about as far apart as within the spectrum of Jewish people as you could get, right? Because the, the Pharisees were the religious elite, the religious leaders, the, those who were respected uh, for keeping the law. And then on the other side, you've got tax collectors, men who had basically rejected the law and rejected their Jewish heritage to get ahead and make some money on account of, uh, of Rome, basically. Uh, in fact, look at Matthew 5, verse 46, and this is something that Jesus says here. I want you to notice how he mentions tax collectors. Jesus says, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? So even Jesus uses this kind of a contrast, understanding that 
in the people's eyes, the tax collectors would have been the last people that they expected to do good. And he says, you should love, he's talking about loving your enemies. And he says, what, what good is loving your neighbors? Even tax collectors do that. And so Jesus in his own teaching kind of made use of this contrast that the tax collectors were kind of on the bottom as far as the people who were expected to do right and be righteous in God's eyes. And I think that's exactly why Jesus tells the parable the way that he does. Last week we looked at this same parable of the, fa the Pharisee and the tax collector. And we mentioned that Jesus here is using this same type, uh, the, these two types of people that would definitely have stood out as a contrast to those around him hearing that message today. The Pharisees, even though Jesus speaks out against them many times, the Pharisees in that day would have been greatly admired and looked up to among Jewish people. They had a great reputation among Jewish people. On the other hand, the tax collector's reputation would have been very different. James Boyce, in his book, The Parables of Jesus, has this to say about this tax collector. He says, but who was the other person in Christ's parable? He was a tax collector, a no good, money grubbing, cheating Roman collaborator, as most of the people of that day would have called him. He says, tax collectors were Jews empowered by the Roman government to collect all the taxes they could. They were permitted to keep any excess above what the government required, and so they were not loved, they were despised. He says people would cross the street to pass on the other side when they saw a tax collector coming. And so when Jesus spoke of these two men, he says, a Pharisee and a tax collector, I want you to get this image in your head. He says it was as though he had spoken of the chief justice of the Supreme Court and a rapist, or of the president of the United States and a prostitute. Think about that kind of moral contrast for a minute. Think about in terms, in Jewish terms in that day, that Jesus is talking about the moral spectrum from the Pharisees at the top to the tax collectors at the bottom. And that's what makes this parable so interesting because it's not the tax collector at the top who Jesus honors in this parable. And so today, here's the side we're taking it from today. It's the next line in your notes. Last week we looked at the self-righteous Pharisee. Today, we're going to focus on the humility of the sinful tax collector. That's the side we're going to look at today. Look at verse um, 13 of Luke 18. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. You see, the contrast between these two men is not just in their occupation, in what they do. It's not just in their reputation, what people think of them. But you also see a contrast in the attitude of their prayer as well. While the Pharisee stands proudly for all to see and proclaims his own righteousness, the tax collector wouldn't even look up. 
He wouldn't even face his eyes to heaven or look to God. Instead, he beats his breast in shame. And there's also a great contrast between the way these two men viewed themselves. It's evident in the parable, in the prayers that they give in this parable. The Pharisee spoke of his keeping the law and his acts of righteousness. I not only tithe once a week, I tithe twice a week, he says. And I I fast and I keep the law. And yet, what does the tax collector say? All the tax collector has to say for himself was to admit that he was a sinner. Here's a truth that Jesus' ministry, a a truth about Jesus' ministry that the Pharisees could not have been happy about. It's the next line in your notes. During Jesus' ministry, tax collectors were entering the kingdom of God. This is part of what we're going to look at today in some of Jesus' ministry. We're talking about the moral spectrum, right? We're talking about the lowest of the low in people's eyes. In Jewish people's eyes, the tax collectors would have been the last ones that Jesus would come to save. And yet we see they're entering the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. Look at uh, Luke 18, 14, and this is his conclusion here. I tell you that this man, the tax collector, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. This is what Terry has preached about before. He calls it the great reversal, right? That the first will be last, the last will be first. You've got the Pharisees on the top and and the tax collectors on the bottom, and Jesus says, it's not the one you think that went home justified. It was the humility of the Pharisee, or the the tax collector, rather. Look at what Matthew, what uh, Jesus says in Matthew 21. This is the next passage of Scripture that's written out uh, on the back of your bulletin as well. Jesus says, and by the way, he's talking to Pharisees. Jesus said, what do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted, Jesus asked. The first, they answered. And Jesus said to them, truly I tell you. Don't miss this part. Truly, I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not even believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. Jesus is telling us another parable, another story here. This time it's about two sons, and he's telling it to the Pharisees on purpose because the Pharisees in this picture are the son who said, oh, yes, Lord, we will do what you ask. We've always been committed to what you ask, and yet they didn't go out and work that day. And yet people who people who were not expected to follow the father, people who said, nope, I'm not going to do that. That son 
eventually ended up doing what was right. Jesus says sinners, Pharisees, and even prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God, and you Pharisees are missing it. And so we see throughout the ministry of Jesus that tax collectors, this bottom of the barrel, they're entering the kingdom of God. Let me show you two examples of this, men who were tax collectors who eventually followed Christ with their lives. The first, number one, is Levi or Matthew. They're the same guy, and they're the same guy as the man who wrote the gospel of Matthew. Uh, I think our text says Levi this morning, maybe yours says Matthew. Look at Matthew 9 verses 9 through 13. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told them, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Now, on hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Matthew, Levi, was a tax collector that left his, his operation that day and followed after Jesus. Matthew would become one of the 12 disciples that Jesus called to follow him. Matthew would become the writer of one of the first gospels that outlined the ministry of Jesus. One of the pillars of the Christian faith. And this guy was a tax collector. These guys are entering the kingdom of God. These guys are doing the work of the kingdom of God. Let's look at another one. Number two, his, man, uh, his name, good luck spelling it, was Zacchaeus. And his story is in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 9. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. There's how you can spell it in your notes there. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up to him and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. But what's the reaction? All the people saw this and began to mutter, He, Jesus, has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay them back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. Because this man, too, is the son of Abraham. We've got two guys here. We've got Levi, or Matthew, and we've got Zacchaeus. 
Both of them tax collectors. Both of them men who in the eyes of the Jewish people have basically sold out to get more money. Both of them men who were known and detested for keeping and pocketing money that was uh, above what they actually needed to report to Rome. These were cheats. These were greedy men. And these were men who both found salvation in Jesus. The tax collectors were entering the kingdom of God. Notice next in your notes that this salvation, this coming to Jesus included belief and repentance. Both of those things are present. Look back at Matthew 21 verse 32. This is again where Jesus is calling out the Pharisees. He says, for John, John the Baptist came to you to show you the way of righteousness and you did not believe him. But guess who did? But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent or believe him. Repentance is part of it. Repentance, not just believing in Christ, but repenting is is A, what these tax collectors did. That's what Jesus is looking for, belief and repentance. He says the the tax collectors, the prostitutes have done it, but the Pharisees, guess what? The Pharisees wouldn't do it, Jesus says. Look at Luke 5, 28. We'll see the repentance and the belief of the tax collectors. It says, and Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. That's the Luke account. Luke uses his name as Levi. Look at Luke 19, verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of all my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. See, it's not just about sinners coming to believe in Christ. It's important because the Pharisees didn't believe in Christ. Pharisees didn't believe Jesus was who he claimed to be. But it was also about turning from sin. It was also about turning away in repentance toward Jesus. And both these men, it says, Levi got up and left everything. He left his practice. He left his money bags. He left his table. He left his his, uh, stat sheets and all that stuff that a tax collector had to follow Jesus. In the same way that Peter and Andrew left their nets and followed after Jesus. The Pharisees, however, didn't repent. Look at the next line in your notes. The Pharisees, however, refused to accept the tax collectors and sinners. I'm going to say it again. The Pharisees, however, refused to accept not just Jesus, but they refused to accept the tax collectors and sinners. Look at Matthew 9-11. This is from Levi's story. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? They couldn't get past it. They couldn't understand why a man who claimed to be from God would spend time with sinful people. The NLT version, maybe you're reading that today. The NLT version says in that same verse, why does your teacher eat with such scum? 
You see how these people are viewed in the eyes of the Pharisees? It's not just that they were lower than all the rest. It's not just that they were worse than they were. It's that these guys could see no means by which people like that could get into the kingdom of God. They had already shut the door. They had already blocked the path best as they could from these sinful people entering the kingdom of heaven. And in doing so, that's the next line in your notes, in doing so, in rejecting these sinful people, they missed the whole reason for Jesus' ministry. See, in Matthew 9, they're missing the point. This is verses 11 through 13. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And look at Jesus' answer. On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, Jesus says, for I have come to call the righteous, not, not to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus says, I haven't come for people who believe in their own righteousness, for people who think they're enough on their own. Jesus said, sinners are the reason I've come. I read somewhere this week that not only would the Pharisees, uh, not, not just they wouldn't eat with sinners or unbelievers or non-Jews, as you would expect, but that they, wouldn't, they didn't practice eating with other fellow Jews who weren't Pharisees for fear that they might not observe the same standards of, of purity as they did. They didn't even eat with non-Pharisee Jews. And here's Jesus eating with tax collectors. And here's Jesus eating and spending his time with prostitutes, with sinners. Now, you tell me today, which of these two approaches should the church follow? The approach of Jesus who ate with these people? Who ate with these people that the, that the religious elite were sneering at? Or the Pharisees? who couldn't figure out why this guy who claimed to be from God would eat with such people. Church, what are we doing if we're not spending time taking the message of Jesus Christ to the people that most need to hear it? What are we even doing? Look at 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Peter says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone, say that word, church, anyone, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone, say the word, everyone to come to repentance. I once heard a preacher say, and I love this image that he uses in this passage. I, I once heard a preacher say that we must not underestimate how anxious God is to save. That often we have this image, he says, of Jesus as a ship's captain. 
And he's standing at the dock and he's telling people who can enter and who's not allowed to enter the boat. This preacher went on to say that instead, Jesus is himself hanging over the side of the boat, trying his best to get people on board. He's pulling people by their arms and by their hair and doing whatever he can to to bring them into safety. And yet, the Pharisees, the religious of the religious, they themselves acted as if they somehow got to be the screening committee. And they were in charge of who got to get into the kingdom of God and who didn't. And in doing so, guess what? They missed the boat themselves. The Pharisees missed the boat. It's the next line in your notes. In doing so, in rejecting these other people, they ended up rejecting Jesus. It wasn't just the tax collectors that, and the prostitutes and the sinners that they were rejecting. Eventually, they couldn't, they couldn't stomach this guy's message because this is a guy who's not holding to their standard. This is a guy who's, who's slumming it with prostitutes and sinners and tax collectors, and they couldn't take it. This Jesus didn't match the standard that they had set. Now, so far, we've seen the Pharisees' reaction when Jesus ate with tax collectors and with sinners. But now, let's look at a passage where, uh, and see what happened when Jesus actually ate in the home of a Pharisee. You ready for that? Uh, Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, and so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him, weeping at his feet, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. What do you think the Pharisees are going to say about that? When the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Here's another story. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50 denarii. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. And so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. And then he turned to the woman. And said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house, Simon. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You, Simon, did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You, Simon, did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, Her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. 
But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. And then Jesus said to her, to the sinful woman, your sins are forgiven. And what's the reaction? The other guests began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Notice here that Jesus says, he uses this little parable, a short parable of two guys that owned different sums of money. And he goes on to say that the one who has been forgiven much, just like this sinful woman in this story, just like the tax collector in Luke 18, just like Zacchaeus or Levi or Matthew, that they showed great love. But the Pharisees who refused to admit that they even needed forgiveness, that they even needed a Savior. They showed little love. Simon the Pharisee who invited Jesus to his house that day, he didn't even wash Jesus' feet. He didn't even greet him with a kiss. These were customs that most Jewish people would have observed in welcoming guests into their home. Instead, his concern with who was there at this party, his concern with this sinful woman being there around Jesus was so great that it ended up being this sinful woman who lavished great love upon Jesus who was forgiven and saved from her sins. Well, guess what? The Pharisees are arguing about who is this guy that thinks he can forgive sins? They rejected Jesus' ability to forgive and to save. And in that same moment where these Pharisees are rejecting Jesus, this woman, this sinful woman, who's known around town for the sinner that she is, finds faith and salvation and forgiveness in Jesus. Because she had much to be forgiven. In the same way that that tax collector could only stand and say, God, forgive me. God, have mercy on me. I am a sinner. And yet those who exalted themselves, they didn't even see that they had need to be forgiven. Look at Matthew 23 and verse 13. And this is one of these woes that Jesus speaks to the Pharisees. He says, Woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You're not letting people enter the kingdom of God. And he says, You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. See, in keeping people out of the kingdom of God, because of their sin, because of their unworthiness, the Pharisees were keeping themselves out as well. So let me ask you this today. I want you to think about this from the perspective of the church, what you know of the church, what you see today, not just the Nineveh Christian church, but today's church. Does the church today encourage sinners to come and receive the grace and the repentance and the forgiveness of Christ Jesus? Or does it stand in the way as the Pharisees did? Does it welcome and invite and eat with sinners like Jesus did? 
Or are we standing in the way of people that might come to faith and belief and repentance and salvation in Jesus Christ? And while you're thinking about it, don't think just in terms of the church. Because Paul says you are each a part of the body of Christ. Think about your life in the coming weeks. Think about your life in the past few weeks. Is your life on display so that sinners might come and know who Jesus is? Or have you already written those people off and said, nah, well, they're not. Obviously, they're not going to get it. Because praise God that God didn't write me off. Praise God that his grace extended to me. And praise God that he's given me the opportunity to help extend that to somebody else who's a sinner like I was. I want us to read one more passage today as we close involving Pharisees and sinners before we close. This time it's in John chapter 8, verses 3 through 11. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees, there they are again, brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? Now, John says in verse 6, They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard Jesus, those who heard, began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with this woman, with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightens up and asks her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. See, Jesus did not endorse or excuse or condone this woman's sin. He told her to go now, to go and leave your life of sin. And yet, neither did he condemn her. When she was brought before him, when she was brought in the act of adultery, and the Pharisees brought him to Jesus for that very reason. The Pharisees said, Moses said we should stone such a woman, such a a prostitute. Now, we don't know about the woman in in Simon's uh, house, what kind of sin hers was, but we know in this case, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. This, This woman was known to have been an adulteress. Otherwise, the Pharisees wouldn't have been able to know where she was and find her and bring her to Jesus. And yet Jesus stands there and says, neither do I condemn you. And that's exactly what the Pharisees have brought her for. I think best case scenario, they, tra- they trap Jesus and find a reason to kill Jesus. Worst case scenario, they stone this woman. 
Worst case scenario, they brought this woman to be stoned because they had already written her off that she could not find salvation, that she was beyond the grace of God. And Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. I'm going to ask Chad and the band to come out as we close today. As we finish up our study on this parable, I want to think about it in today's terms for a moment. Let's break it down into 2022 terms for a second. Prostitution still exists today. So let me ask you, can prostitutes still receive forgiveness of sins? We don't really have tax collectors in the same way that they did back then. I've never heard a guy preach a a sermon against, you know, IRS guys. It's not really the same thing. So let's put this in the basis of terms today. Can gay people receive the salvation of Jesus Christ? Yes. Can women who have had abortions or medical professionals who performed abortions or Democrats or Republicans or whatever group of people we hate or murderers or adulterers or drug addicts or pedophiles or rapists or terrorists, can these people receive salvation in Christ? And if the answer is yes, then then is the church keeping them from that? Or is the church welcoming them so they can know and receive the love of Christ? The gospel of Jesus Christ is this, that Christ made a way. He came to make a way. That if anyone would come to him through belief and through repentance of their sins, that anyone could be saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Anyone, church, and I'm anyone, God have mercy on me, a sinner. And yet, there are still some within the church today that just like the Pharisees would guard the doors of the church if they could and not let those sinful people enter. Forgetting all the while that if sinful people couldn't enter, none of us would be saved. None of us has a right to stand between anyone and the light and the love and the mercy and the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus that would free them from sin. Jesus says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor. That's not why I came. I came for sinful people. They're the reason I came to this earth. So church today, if we are in Christ, then we better be making sure that we are allowing our lives to be a light that would shine, that that others might be able to come and be in Christ. May we never forget from what depths we have been rescued. And today, if you're not in Christ today, if you have never accepted Christ, then today it is my prayer that you see the testimony of this tax collector, that you see this story of grace and forgiveness in this parable, that you know that Jesus desired, Jesus came to give you life. Jesus came that you would know him, that you would believe in him, that you would turn from your sins, and that you would be saved. Father God, today we are sinners. God, have mercy on us. Extend your mercy to us that we would know the grace and salvation and forgiveness of Jesus.
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The invitation is open today as we stand and as we sing.